Well, we just finished speaking to Ahmad Shoeb about um, Afghan interpreters still left in that country. Reports this week of some being arrested, beaten, tortured by the Taliban. Uh, he, of course, reminded uh, our listeners that there is a hunger problem, there's a food crisis, there's an economic crisis, and that time is not on the sides of those still left there. So why are they still there eight months later after the fall of the Taliban when Canada promised to get them out of there? In Parliament, the opposition continues to call on the government to do more to fulfill its promise of bringing interpreters and their families to this country, uh, well, at least, you know, not leaving them at the mercy of the Taliban. In particular, people already identified, such as a group of lawyers who work for the Canadian embassy in Kabul. The burning question still, what is taking so long? Joining me now is Michael Chong. He's the Conservative Foreign Affairs critic and the Member of Parliament for Wellington, Halton Hills. Michael Chong, thank you for your time tonight. Great to be here, Ben. We've been talking about this for a while. Uh, we've talked about this special obligation we have to those that help serve our country in Afghanistan. At, at least in your estimation, we're still not living up to it. Absolutely not. Look, it's been more than eight months since Kabul fell to the Taliban. And in that time, very little has happened. And to get the Afghans who sacrificed so much to help Canadian soldiers during the war in Afghanistan to Canada. Uh, we're talking about several hundred Afghans who risked their lives during the war and afterwards to assist Canadian soldiers, to assist Canadian diplomats who have been desperate to get to Canada. And many of them haven't even had their applications opened by the immigration department. This is an appalling lack of leadership on part of the government of Canada. And so we have been raising the alarm bells about this to light a fire under the minister uh, to get something done. You're seeing two distinct issues here, or at least two complementary ones, rather. Uh, one is those who just aren't in the system. And then we know, of course, that because of the circumstances right now, no representation on the ground in Afghanistan, that there are those who are simply stuck. They can come here, but they can't get here. That's correct. Uh, and obviously, that's a difficult situation. And that's why we're calling the latter is a difficult situation where the the individual Afghans who had their applications approved um, are finding it difficult to get out, which is why we're calling on the government to issue a single-use travel document issued by the Canadian government um, to allow them to go to a third country, such as Pakistan, so that they then can get to Canada. And at the same time, we're uh, calling on the government to work with the Pakistan uh, with the government of Pakistan in order to ensure that these travel, these single use travel documents are recognized by the border officials at, in Pakistan to allow entry of these vulnerable Afghans. So that's certainly a different situation than those Afghans who are in uh, Kabul and in Afghanistan who are stuck and whose applications haven't even been opened, haven't even been processed by the immigration department. And it's that former group of Afghans that, you know, that, you know, we're confounded by. It's been eight months since Kabul fell. I'll give you one example. There were, there are currently 28 government of Canada lawyers that are stuck in Afghanistan. These are individuals who were hired by the embassy in Kabul, by the Canadian embassy in Kabul, who were asked to represent the Canadian government in Afghanistan's legal system. They did legal work for the Canadian government in Afghanistan for many, many years. 
Uh, the contract goes as far back as 2013. These 28 individual lawyers haven't even had their applications processed by the department, by the immigration department, despite the fact that these names were given to the department months and months ago. They are in hiding. Uh, many of them are, are being threatened uh, by the Taliban. Uh, there have been examples of people in similar situations who have been beaten and tortured simply for having worked with Canadian authorities. So it's situations like this that are absolutely confounding. We, it's just it's a complete puzzle why the minister hasn't taken action uh, to get these applications processed. You spent time in government, Michael. Is this a question of overpromising, underdelivering, or both? This is a this is a problem of a lack of leadership from the minister's office. Uh, it's clear that these applications, such as the twenty eight I've mentioned, and hundreds of others, um, are stuck in some red tape. And it's the job of the minister to unstick the red tape and to get action on these files. Uh, I think what's happened is that they've been lost in the shuffle of hundreds of thousands of uh, applications for the general stream of refugees. Uh, and I think that's unacceptable. These are individuals with whom which this country has a unique and enduring relationship. These are people who put a lot on the line when they signed up to help Canadian diplomats, Canadian soldiers in the field during the war in Afghanistan. So we owe to them a duty. We owe to them our honor that we will do everything we can to get them out of the country to freedom and to Canada. And we're failing in that obligation right now. And that's a shame uh, for this country. And I imagine when we look to Afghanistan right now, the concern must only be growing because I feel like we're seeing a more emboldened Taliban these days uh, with the announcement over the weekend that uh, women would have to fully cover again. It seems that the consequences of their actions are not something they're necessarily looking into. Do you get that sense as well that time is not on the side of those who are left behind there right now? That's my sense. Um, you know, recently, uh, you know, it, with every passing week, it seems like the Taliban authorities are introducing even more draconian measures to suppress local populations. Um, you know, recently they announced that women had to be covered uh, completely when they uh, left the home. Um, and so each and every week we're hearing further abuses of the rights of Afghans. And so I think the situation is deteriorating rapidly. In fact, it's safe to say that Afghanistan is the biggest humanitarian disaster unfolding in the world today, uh, even bigger than some of the other conflicts that we're all very aware about. Uh, there are millions and millions of Afghans who are at risk of starvation uh, on top of the uh, horrific treatment they're receiving at the hands of the Taliban authorities. What would be a good first step in your eyes? Well, I think what the minister needs to do is he needs to instruct departmental officials to pull these applications uh, of several hundred Afghans who have a direct tie to Canada, the, the people who are the interpreters, the local advisors, local experts who worked, for example, as lawyers for the embassy in Kabul. He needs to instruct the department to pull those applications out of the uh, general stream and to make sure that they are processed immediately. Uh, and I think that's the kind of political leadership we're calling on the government to do. Michael Chong, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you very much.